Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dole. Well, let's uh, go ahead and get started there. Sounds like a little technical difficulty, but uh, no difficulty in talking about legal matters. And when we do that here on Liberty and the Law, we, uh, we focus directly on matters of criminal defense. Um, and sometimes when we do that, we need to discuss some of the realities of the legal system. While we always advocate uh, avoiding situations that can put you on the wrong side of the law, there are times when, when good people find themselves in bad situations, and it is precisely at those types of times when we need a good criminal defense attorney. And uh, we always have one here on Liberty and the Law. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And uh, we rely on the support of uh, Defense Attorney James Dorr of uh, Lavelle Law whenever we get together for conversations. Uh, and today we're going to uh, discuss the legal process as we talk about what happens after uh, a DUI arrest. Should you be a first-time offender, uh, you've got to figure out how to handle that, and James is the guy that can help guide you through that. So uh, let's get to that. Good afternoon, Jim. How are you today? Doing well, Jim. How are you today? Good. Real good. Looking forward to this. Um you know, I agree. I'm excited about this topic. This uh, brings a little bit of basics uh, back to the discussion on liberty and the law, and I think uh, it's a good topic for us. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I was going to say we. I started looking back at some of our past conversations about the legal process, and and um, you know, some of the possible outcomes uh, and how they may vary based on on prior records. Um, so, in wanting to kind of keep things simple, and as you just said, talk about some of the basics. Uh, do we target our conversation today to talk really about the first-time offender? Right, I think that'd be best. Uh, today could be focusing on the first-time uh, person facing a DUI arrest, what they can expect in court, kind of how the process works initially. Okay. Well, let, let's set up that hypothetical scenario now. Someone is stopped for a traffic <clears throat> violation. That stop results in a ticket for driving under the influence. Beginning with that traffic stop and arrest then, uh, what happens immediately following? Okay. Um, well, at some point, the arrest is done and a person has to be freed. So usually that involves posting bond. Um, some uh, officers will, uh, under statute, can release you on an I-bond, or sometimes a, a cash bond is required. But at any rate, um, people are normally released from custody with a bond slip, uh, and that bond slip is important because it gives it notifies the defendant, in this case, the person who's been arrested, uh, of their first court date. Uh, so it's important, first and foremost, to make that first court date and not to be late, not to uh, uh-huh. show up on a different court date. So that, that court date is very, very important. Okay. Now, before we even get to that court date, um, just remind me, if, if someone is stopped for for DUI, the, the arrest takes place, do they immediately lose driving privileges from that point forward? Uh, no, that'll actually, it's uh, another document that they'll receive uh, when they bond out. They'll get a copy mm-hmm. of the bond, uh, bail bond slip, and they'll also get a notice of summary suspension. And on that notice, um, it tells uh, basically uh, some a shortcut as to when the suspension will actually kick into effect, which is 46 days from that day of arrest. That's when the, fish, mm-hmm. the suspension actually kicks in. Okay. Okay, um, so let's let's talk process now. Um, you mentioned uh, that that slip that's going to say uh, the date of the first court date. So that implies that there are multiple. Uh, let's walk through that first instance. Then what happens there? Sure. 
Well, okay, the, the first court date is, is important because that's the arraignment date. That's when a uh, person officially be, appears before the judge, enters a plea on the record, which is going to be not guilty in my client's cases. Uh, the only way to, do, to get this done in one court date would be to plead guilty and have certain documents ready. So let's, you know, I'm not interested in that scenario. I'm looking at preserving, for the point of this discussion, preserving my client's rights and what we're going to do initially at that first court date. So that'll be an arraignment date. We'll enter a plea of not guilty. And then see from that point on, we'll have a chance to look at the police reports, discovery, and start scheduling certain things that we, wait, we may want to, to have happen, like a hearing on that driver's license topic. Okay. And um, uh, how how long will it be from from the bond release up until that, that first hearing? Is that an extended period, or is that going to happen pretty quickly? Uh, it can happen within a couple of weeks up until I've had uh, cases scheduled uh, actually past that 46 days. So there is some leeway. Um, there, it, it is governed by the code, and the Illinois Traffic Code, and it's also, in, which comes down to the charging documents themselves. Um, let's just put it like you will receive a, a notice to appear within a, it's usually within 30 days of the date of arrest. Okay. Um, okay. It's important, and it's important to double check that because there's a, there's a stack of paperwork that the client gets, and sometimes, you know, there'll be a ticket for a DUI, and it'll have a court date on it that's different from the one that's on the bail bond slip. So it's important for the attorney to get involved and make sure that the we're actually appearing on time on a proper date at court. So there's not a okay. you know sometimes the dates get get jumbled. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned um, getting you know the the case file and all the information the arrest record. Do you as the attorney first get that at that arraignment, or will you have had a chance to see that prior to that? Normally, the first opportunity I will get to see a police report will be at that first court date, that arraignment date. Uh, traditionally, the state's attorney's office will have copies available in their court file so they can tender that copy over to the defense attorney. Sometimes they don't have it and we have to wait, but usually that first court date is when I'll get my first chance to look at it. Okay. So at that, uh, you enter the plea, and at that point then, then does the judge determine when the next next court date is, or as you mentioned on, on the other packet of information, is that date already set? Uh, date is not already set. That would happen, um, you know, possibly at the first uh, court appearance. Um, mm-hmm. Now, at this point, as a defendant, we have certain motions that we can file, and if we want to challenge that license suspension, that would be the time to do it to to file um, file a petition, or if you previously filed a petition to get a hearing date set um, to have a hearing regarding that suspension. So. Um, that can happen maybe on the first day, but normally it can be, or normally it's set for a hearing, so both sides can be prepared. Okay, and uh, I, th- I think in the past when we've talked, you've you've instructed listeners if they are ever stopped, and correct me if I'm wrong, but to to respectfully decline um, the breathalyzer test, um, and that has certain implications. Uh, assuming that the test was administered. Um, are there things you then start to do to try and challenge those results, or does that come later, or is there nothing you can do at that point? Uh, that would be part of that petition that I'm talking about that could possibly okay. be grounds to challenge the suspension, and I would also be looking for grounds uh, to challenge ultimately the criminal charge of DUI. So there's a couple things where you know, I'm looking at the same evidence and seeing how it um, translates in the summary suspension also in terms of the uh, misdemeanor arrest. Uh, 
defense attorney James Dorr of Lavelle Law is is the featured presenter each month here on Liberty and the Law. And uh, this month, we're discussing the legal process that that follows a DUI arrest, uh, particularly for a first-time offender. Um, uh, attorney Dorr has, has been working in the court system for more than two decades and has been recognized by uh, leading legal industry groups for his work on behalf of his clients. And you can read about that and, and find out more at LavelleCriminalLaw.com. Uh, and there's a nice collection of past podcasts there that uh, describe different legal scenarios and, and give you good insight into his approach as an attorney in dealing with cases like this. Always very educational, a great collection of discussions there. And as we as we focus on today's discussion, I want to talk a little bit more about what you do to prepare. But before we do that, um, tell me what the defendant should be doing to prepare now. After that arraignment, when they have their first or their next court date set, what are they concentrating on to be ready for, for that? Well, one of the important things is not to throw out the paperwork that they receive from the, the police officer. I've known some people have been upset and they throw it away. They don't think it's important. Whatever the case may be, that important that paperwork is important. The defense attorney will start preparing the DUI case from the minute he sees, from the minute he talks to his client for the first time, and the minute he starts reviewing that paperwork and looking for possible defense arguments. Um, you know, there could be problems in the paperwork itself. Uh, simple things like typos may or may not be important. You know, it depends. So that's when the attorney is going to have to carefully review the paperwork because it really does start there. That paperwork is important. Okay. And and as they as your client returns to court now for the next phase of this process, is there a, a point at which they will be questioned by the prosecutor or the judge, or is this always just attorney to attorney when you get in the courtroom? Uh, oh, if we're having a hearing, uh, the the, mm -hmm. the petitioner. Now, in this case, he's not known as a defendant. It, it, it's okay. we have a we are petitioning for relief. So, the mm -hmm. petitioner in that case can be subject to be called um, not only by the defense attorney, but in, in some a lot of cases, the prosecutors could call that person as well. So, um, there's there's settings where uh, at a pre-trial hearing that defendant can be called or uh, later on in a trial scenario, obviously, the person has the right to remain silent, also has the right to testify. So mm -hmm. that you know, a defendant would be working, you know, with his attorney very carefully on preparing for the eventual. You know, is, are we going to testify? You know, why are we taking the stand? Is it to get my side of the story out? Okay, just going to make sure that all that's carefully reviewed ahead of time. Okay. And and um, as I you mentioned earlier, there's several steps in this process. Um, kind of take us through what happens next. Now we, we've sort of got the date set. You're going to go into court. You've reviewed documents. You've, you've talked to the uh, your, your client. Uh, what does the process entail after that now as you get into the court? Okay, well, as we start getting into the meat of the case, we're, we're reviewing the, the state's discovery. I will have interviewed my client and any witnesses he may have. And then we're going to decide, okay, what what is our best chance here? Are we going to try to do a trial? Are we going to go for a trial here and try for a finding a not guilty? Are we going to negotiate with state's attorney's office and see if they're willing to consider court supervision? You know, that's going to be where we sit down. A cl the client and the attorney sit down and and decide what how they want to handle the case, what what their goals are, and how to best achieve those goals. So, in those first court hearings, we could possibly be setting uh, trials. We could be setting a hearing. Um, we could be asking for more discovery, um, you know, different evidence that hasn't been turned over that we think may be relevant, like 
maintenance records for the breathalyzer, something like that. Well, it takes additional time to try and get some of those records. So um, those are the things that are happening as a case goes on that may or may, that may cause some delay, but it, it ultimately we're testing the evidence. So we want to see, you know, what's available. So that that's how the case kind of plays out and why it can take a little more time than just at first court appearance. And um, what what can your clients do to give you a better chance in terms of helping them achieve their goals as they head into the courtroom? Meet with me as soon as possible. Um, a lot of times at DUI arrest, the, the sooner you can meet with a lawyer, the sooner that lawyer can file paperwork that may help your case. So it's important to get that paperwork that you receive at the police department. Bring that to your lawyer so you can start working on that case immediately. Start getting documents filed, petitions filed, discovery motions filed, anything that could possibly help your case. That paperwork, that initial stack of paperwork that the client gets is very important. And, and you mentioned some of the things you might look for in terms of the uh, calibration of the, of the breathalyzer, uh, talking to witnesses. W- where do you focus your attention when you're trying to evaluate a case? What sort of things are you looking for to uh, give yourself the best advantage? Boy, I, I, Jim, I trust my instincts on that. I, I go where the evidence leads me. If I, I start mm-hmm. getting a, a feeling like I'm not getting the, the big picture, or the complete picture, I start asking questions and I start poking and prodding and seeing what I can find. Um, all DUI cases are a little bit different. Some are vastly different. Some have mm-hmm. completely unique uh, issues that have never been seen before. So it's hard to predict at the beginning of the case, but you know it's important that your defense attorney has honed his skills and has the instincts to know what to look for and to find and question the evidence. Well, and that's where, as uh, I mentioned at the very beginning here, James Dorr brings uh, over two decades of that type of experience to working on uh, DUI and other instances. So um, I think we get great information whenever he joins us each month, and uh, we'll let him get back to work now because we're out of time. But at at this point, let's direct you back to LavelleCriminalLaw.com. You're going to get more details um, there uh, than we can provide here in the short time we get. I'd like to thank James Dorr for being with us and uh, for being a part of the podcast each month. Always an informative visit, and uh, certainly look forward to those opportunities we get to talk. And again, uh, visit him at LavelleCriminalLaw.com or give him a call at 847-705-7555. Thank you for listening to this edition of Liberty and the Law. To learn more about defendants' rights, call attorney James Dorr at 847-705-7555 or visit LavelleCriminalLaw.com.